Oh, yeah. Once again, from the Smart Start MN Studios in South Minneapolis near 48th and Chicago, The Brian Oak Show, episode 305. I'll turn that up just a little bit. Geezer Butler, Getting It Done, Black Sabbath, first album. I just needed to hear a little bit more of that. Earlier today, I heard someone whose opinion I respect very, very much tell me that there's no such thing as a song with a good harmonica solo in it. What? And I was like, look, I don't, I don't want to listen to harmonica music all day, every day, but fuck off, man. I mean, har- <laughs> like, I mean, I, 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 John Lee Hooker, Bob Dylan, yeah. Black Sabbath, fuck off. I, <clears throat> sorry. We're getting off on the wrong foot. My name is Brian Oak, and that's Sean Bernard. It's episode 305 of The Brian Oak Show, powered by Smart Start MN. How are you, Sean? I'm doing well. I got to say something about that song that I, in high school, yeah. I was like, that's burnout music. I'm not listening to that. It's bullshit. totally burnout music, though. But you weren't wrong. Just before I turned 18, I moved back to Minneapolis, and my Uncle Troy goes, well, first of all, you're a dumbass. You need to listen to all this music. <laughs> and I love it. Like, I, I learned to absolutely love it and appreciate how difficult a lot of it is to do. Yeah. And I love it now. It's like, it's great. But you weren't wrong. Like, oh. so the only people listening to that record when it came yeah. out were high in their older brother's basement bedroom, yeah. burning his incense and smoking his weed. Yeah. And they're like, this is fucking awesome, man. But it turns out, even if you're not smoking weed, it is awesome. It is the Brian Oak Show, powered by Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What does that mean? It means that if you drink and drive, or someone that you love, or know, or care about, or have ever even heard of drinks and drives, they're going to lose their license. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They worked with the legislature to put this program in place if you need to get back into your vehicle. And trust me, after a DUI and you can't drive, you need to get back into your vehicle. No one is better equipped to get you back there. That's right. You have no idea how much you'll want to be able to drive once somebody tells you that you can't. Oh, I do. Yeah. But again, it was a long, long time ago. Yep. More than 20 years ago, I made a particular mistake. And at the time, there was no smart start and there was no Uber. And it was a very difficult, stupid, irritating time to be alive. And it made me realize the error of my ways every single day. We can help mitigate some of that. Yeah, it's already affordable, but go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. Should we take care of you right now, too? Let's wait. Okay. Yeah, let's wait. Let's buzz through a song first. Let's absolutely do a song first. We're going to get into a song right now. But coming up next, Minnesota legend Paul Metza is going to be our guest. He's got so much on the docket, and I don't know why he won't stop. And I don't want him to stop, but there's something about him that is motivated and mercurial and he will not stop being creative finding new ways to explore and new ways to create and that's one of the reasons he's one of the more important figures over the last several decades here in minnesota we'll talk to him coming up next but first i wanted to share this song because it turns out you know and again the internet is both terrible and wonderful right like there's so mm-hmm. much vitriol and stupidity on there yep. but there's also a lot of insight and things that I you would forget about or wouldn't normally know about today is the 25th anniversary of the release of Strange Feeling Strangely Fine by Semisonic That can't be right I, I, It's got to be like 16 I I would like <laughs> I, I wish I wish but I did do, oh, I did double check man. it I did actually do some math on oh. it and it's true Dan Wilson 
John Munson and Jake Schlichter, they put together this trio that originally was called Pleasure back around 1995, but there was another band called Pleasure, so they changed their name to Semisonic. But I met them when they were still Pleasure, and I have that first EP. And then Semisonic came along, and they put out this brilliant record called Great Divide that I love so, so, so very deeply. And then they put out a record called Feeling Strangely Fine 25 years ago today where they brought what they were able to do to a larger world. Closing Time became a genuine international Mm -hmm. hit. Those guys are still cashing mailbox money on that. Mm, And good for them, man. I begrudge them nothing because I've met all three of them and they're all wonderful. Um, And they're, they're, they're really great. But my favorite song off that record, Feeling Strangely Fine, is this one right here. It makes me smile, and it makes me thoughtful, and it has for, hard to imagine, 25 GD years, Sean. Unbelievable. Let's hear a little semi-sonic on episode 305 of The Brian Oak Show.
it's interesting because before Seattle was Seattle, Minneapolis was Minneapolis. And before that, Athens was Athens. And the cycle continues. It moves around. There are these crucibles that pop up where for no, I mean, there's always good music happening in all these locations. But for whatever reason, they suddenly become the focal point. They become the thing. And for a minute there, Semisonic helped bring it back to Minneapolis. Now, throughout the 90s, there was incredible music here. But it did not get the attention that 80s Minneapolis got. But Semisonic's Feeling Strangely Fine out 25 years ago today, Sean, which means you are old as balls. I am. In fact, I've had like three people in the last two weeks guess that I'm about 12 years older than I am. Ouch, what? What is wrong with people that they just like don't ask? They no, just throw out a number? Like, so you got a little gray in your hair? Oh, I got gray and white. But yeah. I mean, but no, but I mean, you don't look 12 years older than you are. Yeah, it's, I don't know. After three people in two weeks, maybe I am. Maybe my parents lied and I was actually, when I thought I was one, I was 11. Shit, sorry about that, bro. <laughs> that, that, that you're considering that it, if they were your parents. That's a great <gasps> point, Paul. Look at that. Who the hell invited this guy? Get him out of here. I'm going to be honest. I did. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'm Brian Oak, and that is Sean Bernard. It's the Brian Oak Show. Paul Metza, a pillar of Minnesota music, but more than mm-hmm. that, because he is a musician. I, you pick it. Rock musician, blues musician, but he's a poet. He's a comedian. He is... I, I, television present he's a stalwart he is part of the fabric of what happens here in the twin cities minneapolis specifically and that's kind of what we do here on this show so it is my distinct pleasure to welcome him paul hello how are you doing oh i'm doing great uh, brian and it's really fun because i've been a fan of yours for years as you know uh you've heard enough of radio in minneapolis in the last 20 25 30 years that a lot of the people in especially perhaps in sports radio, Mm. don't really have what used to be criteria for radio, and that's a good voice. Yeah, well, (laughs) see, now, I can't take credit for that because I was born with this. When I was about 10, my voice dropped, and people would call the house and be like, oh, hey, Ron, they they thought they were talking to my dad. I'm like, no, 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 my dad's not home right now. You can talk to him later. And then growing up, people were always like, you know what? You should go into radio. So I don't know if I wanted to go into radio, if I was coerced into it, but you know what? Now it's a little late to start second-guessing myself, so I've gone through it. But it takes more than a deep voice, because I've known people who are very good in radio that don't have the so-called voice, but they have acumen, they have talent, they have a gift for wordsmithery, and I find a combination thereof is probably the best thing to do. But thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that, Paul. And the reason why I say that is uh, I've always enjoyed the... Your, the velvet tones of your voice, but to hear them now in a headphone is very cool. <laughs> Look, if you're flirting with me, it's a work. Right? I'm a complete hetero, but I just wanted to let you know. That's cool, man. Don't be so square and suburban, man. Let's see where the let's see where the afternoon takes us. National Public Radio has called you America's answer to Billy Bragg. Songwriting has obviously been important to you for a long time. Music has been a long uh, important to you for a very long time. Let's go back just a little bit, though. Um, I would like to know when in your development, because for some people, they're four years old, and they're like, this is all I'm doing the rest of my life. Other people, they're mechanics for 15 years, like, fuck this, I'm picking up a guitar and writing a song. But at some point, you had to realize that music was going to be your expression and who Paul Metza was. Do you have any idea even roughly when that sort of formulated? I know exactly uh, the uh, the evening 
that I decided to become a musician at some point in my life. Third grade, it was uh, at the (laughs) Mako Theater. I took Christine Friedlieb on a date to see, uh, I'm not sure if this was You were going on dates in third grade? Dr. Friedlieb and his wife drove us there. I see. I had a really nice, I remember I had a gold sweatshirt that my mother just (laughs) got that I had put on, and I took a dollar. Uh, Tickets were 25 cents a piece to show you how old I am. And uh, we went down to see, it happened at the World's Fair featuring a guy who I had heard on the radio uh, by the name of Elvis Presley. Wow. So we Come on. In, that's the night. And so Elvis, of course, at the, well, till the end, one of the world's most handsome men. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, Sean, besides you. Besides me. Okay. <laughs> you know, Elvis is right behind me right here. So, <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, here's this, you know, really handsome guy, got all the women Played guitar, drove nice cars, yeah. won all the fights. I go, I think that's what I want to do for a living. <laughs> he seems to be onto something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're telling me that in third grade you saw Elvis Presley live for twenty five cents. Yep. Well, no, no, no. At the, it was a movie. Oh, it movie. was called. Got you. All it right. happened at the World's Fair. Oh, Got okay. it. All right, all right. But still, so you spent fifty cents on the tickets, and you still had fifty cents of walking around money going on. I I showed uh, Christine a good time. Oh my. Um, and uh, she, uh, she actually was the fir- first girl that ever kissed me. She ran across, and this was before I asked her out, she ran across the playground at Horseman School in the south side of Virginia, Minnesota, and, wow. uh, and planted a, a wet one and, uh, <laughs> on, my, on my mouth. And it was on your of, mouth. kind of the be- beginning of a beautiful third grade. Wow. Epic. I think I think in third grade I got kicked in the balls by Laura Tannis. <laughs> a lot. Uh, no, just the one time. Okay. <laughs> I avoided her after that. Although everyone always told me she was a nice person. I'm like, no, that that chick kicked me right in the nuts <laughs> in third grade. Well, and the thing is, once you have it once, you're going to want it every night. Not the ball kicking, but the kissing, <laughs> yes, exactly. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm cool with the ball kicking. I don't know if that's happened again, and I'm cool with it never, ever happening again. Paul Metza, you have a record. So we, you have a big show tomorrow, and I'll talk, we'll talk about yeah. that in a minute. But before we do, can we talk a little bit about this new record, Alphabet Jazz? Yeah, well, it's actually a book with a companion CD. Oh, go and, on. And it's uh, the full name is Alphabet Jazz, Poetry, Prose, Stories, and Songs. When I was moving out of Minneapolis a couple of years ago to move up to Duluth, uh, a town that I've always loved and really enjoy living there, mm-hmm. um, I was putting together all my, you know, trying to pack up all my stuff. But I'm a pack rat and I'm a collector and, and I'm always writing things and and trying to record things and collecting things. So I would have boxes and drawers full of, it might be a, a an old electrical bill that I wrote half a song on. It might be a air sickness bag when I was flying and had an idea. It might be a, a, more than one bar napkin with a song idea. I had uh, also, one of the greatest things I did in high school is I learned how to type. Uh, thanks to Mrs. Krause. I wish. 52 words a minute. Yeah, that's And great. it's really, truthfully, it's really mm-hmm. uh, been such uh, a help over the years, especially now with computers. So, but I still like to write on typewriter, manual typewriter, electric typewriter. I really dig, but um, but on a computer keyboard. So I've just always, you know, I've written regularly for years and years and years and years. 
So I had a couple of boxes worth of stuff when I finally moved into Duluth. And what was interesting about that, it just kind of fell out of the sky. I ended up renting the first floor of Bob Dylan's childhood home. What? At uh, 517 North 3rd Avenue uh, uh, East. And it was... uh, And that was purely accidental? I knew Bill Pagel, the man that owns the Duluth house and the Hibbing house. And I had called him about a year and a half before I even planned on putting my house for sale. Just I'm thinking, I'm thinking Duluth. And I go, Bill, you know, I said, do you ever rent out that uh, first floor of that apartment? Because the Zimmermans grew up upstairs. Bob lived the first six years on the second floor. Right. And he goes, no, I've got a long-term renter. Well, then, sure enough, about a, over, a little over a year later, he calls me and says, uh, are you still thinking about moving up to Duluth? I said, as a matter of fact, I just put my... Uh, I just put my house for sale, and uh, if all goes well, I should be up there by the 1st of June. I, when's the rental move? I go, 1st of June. I go, wow. put my name on it. So I drove up the next week. I took him out for dinner. Uh, we had a handshake deal. I said, hold on to it. So when I finally got up there, which was a lot of fun, my the first floor of this house that was built in like 1890 mm. was the exact same design as the second floor. And uh, was fun about the second floor. It'd eventually be a museum, but he had, he's got Bob's baby crib up there. He's got Bob's high chair mm. and uh, a beautiful porch on the second floor. You can walk out and, and see Lake Superior. Just gorgeous place. So anyway, I finally got up there and I took all these papers. And I spread them all over the floor and I'm going, my God. You know, I'd, I'd written a book in 2011 called Blue Guitar Highway mm-hmm. that the University of Minnesota Press put out. And... Uh, I looked at all this stuff and I go, geez, I think if I combine the lyrics, the poetry, the prose, and the freeform linguistic improvisation, I think I'd have a book here. That's what I did. I worked on it for about oh, about a year and a half and uh, I, I self-published it last fall. So for you, I mean, this is fascinating to me because music is a foreign language to me. Prose and writing, I understand. I just suck at it. But I love words, but I feel like grammar is a prison. And that's why I like to watch people do prose and kind of explore the space. But it sounds like, to me, at least from what little I'm hearing right here, music obviously matters to you. That's, that's oh, yeah. a driving force. But the lyrics matter just as much. The The content and the narrative seem to play an important part. Otherwise, you wouldn't have held on to all these bits and bobs from cocktail napkins over yeah. the years. Well, a lot of people ask me, what do I write first, the words or the lyrics? And? You mean the music or the lyrics? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. thank, you for, thank you for catching that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. John. Look, well, I was look looking at Brian Sean like, did he just no, hear what I just no. heard? Look, Sean, until they're set to music, they're just words, <laughs> okay. man. All right. They're not lyrics until they're in a song. All right. I was not going to split hairs right there. Okay, no, no, no. I, um, I, I forget exactly. What was the question again? The question was. I was trying to come up with a, with what, a snappy no, answer. No, 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 no. The question, the question was that, <laughs> and you know, I fail. music matters, obviously. We all, Sean and I are gigantic fans. Mm-hmm. You are a long-term creator. But for some people, it's all sitting down at the piano. It's all sitting down with the guitar. It's all sitting down with the marimba, whatever the case may be. But to me, I, as much as I love hooks and as much as I love acumen and as much as i love a great pop creation 
words and the lyrics and the story and the libretto have always mattered a great deal to me, and they clearly matter to you. Oh, yeah, Otherwise, you wouldn't have hung on to all these napkins and utility bills where you've got little bits and bobs written on them. Yeah, well, it comes, it's really like, uh, it's like just keeping your radar up. And uh, like I was talking to John Breen last week, and uh, I, I told him, I said, I could never be that Nashville going to the cubicle to co-write. Right. I mean, that I'd rather put a gun in my head. Yeah. And uh, Please don't do that. So I, uh, so yeah, so I just collect ideas, and I overhear things in bars. Uh, I see things, you know, occasionally find a nice piece of graffiti in a in a uh, in an alley or in yeah. a restroom and you go geez that's got a nice turn of phrase so i just collect them and then when i now finally sit down sometimes it'll just come to me like the song we're gonna listen to at some point jack ruby i had been a uh uh really enamored with the name jack ruby and i remember when my mother and i and that fateful november 63 a uh, handful of days when JFK was assassinated mm. and we saw Jack Ruby shoot Lee Harvey Oswald uh-huh. on television I remember it was I was about six or seven and we had this old Sylvania television that looked like yellow wood that you probably remember with kind yeah. of the green oh, yeah. screen and uh, legs that went down like ex- this totally. I know you, exactly you what totally you're talking about it. yeah and uh, so it was the first time that Evil, although it wasn't named, I realized there was something out there that was, in fact, evil. Um, but over the years, the name Jack Ruby always had kind of a poetic uh, resonance to me. His real name was Jack Rubenstein. He was from Chicago. And uh, uh, so I had been fascinated with the, the whole uh, collection of conspiracy theories around the assassination I've got maybe 15 or 20 books that I picked up over the years. Uh, it's one of my one of my hobbies, I guess you could call it. I've been to Dealey Plaza twice. And in 1992, I was reading an article uh, in the paper, and it said that Jack Ruby's brother was selling some of Jack Ruby's stuff to pay off a tax lien, some of Jack Ruby's artifacts, including his Kavanaugh hat and then the line came to me like lightning Brian it was like Jack Ruby Jack Ruby in a Kavanaugh hat whoever taught you to shoot a pistol like that wow. you snuck in the basement you stood in the back Jack Ruby Jack Ruby in a Kavanaugh hat it was almost like that chorus was fully formed yeah so that's uh that's, that's one time when when as Dylan, you know, describes the Supreme Commander, when the Supreme Commander just gives you something, goes, okay, kids, see what you can do with this. <laughs> Let's hear it. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby in a Kavanaugh hat. Whoever taught you to shoot a pistol like that? Oh, you snuck in the basement and you stood in the back. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby in a Kavanaugh hat. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, you were 15 years old. On the south side of Chicago, you looked up to Capone. Stole girls' lunch money, beat boys on the way home. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, you were 15 years old. 
Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, when you were 21, who you treated brass knuckles for a caliber gun. In the Sherman Hotel, bootleg whiskey did run. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, when you were 21. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, when you were 35, set up shop in Dallas, you had nothing to hide. A nightclub of hookers in cops side by side. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, when you were 35. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, when you were 49. From the carousel club, you kept the judges in line. J. Edgar Hoover said there's no organized crime. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, when you were 49. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, in a Kavanaugh hat. Never taught you to shoot a pistol like that. Well, you stuck in the basement and you stood in the back. Jack Ruby, Jack Ruby, in a Kavanaugh hand. In the Kingfish in New Orleans, give you the key. The men you should contact and the men you should see. A Confederate cloak of conspiracy with an eye towards November 1963. Numbers and more. 
Paul Mensa, please set the scene. Tell me how, where, when, and exactly what went down that suddenly you're performing that song at Farm Aid. <clears throat> My buddy Tom Arnold had... Tom Arnold, comedian Tom Arnold. Comedian Tom Arnold. Got it. And uh, he and I and uh, the great writer, Dave, the late, great David Carr, used to run pretty heavily in town in the mid-80s. You might have bumped into us while we were closing a bar one night only to come back the next morning <laughs> to open it up. <laughs> and... Uh, but oh. uh, we were good customers in that regard. But uh, <laughs> so Tom, <laughs> Tom, and not only to the bartenders, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, Tom had married Roseanne Barr, and uh, they uh, were asked to host Farm Aid 5 down in uh, Dallas, Texas. Wow. So I, I, had, I had put out a single called Ferris Wheels on the Farm. So I got a hold of Tom, and I said, Tom, I'd like to send this to you if you could get this to Willie Nelson. So he did, and I'm sure Willie at least looked at the 45 RPM single, <laughs> roll the joiner to on it. <laughs> Good on him, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Good G- on him. Gave it, gave it to, uh, gave it to the passerby, and anyway, he said, "Sure, have, uh, have, have your buddy Paul come down." So I was supposed to play the song First Wheels on the Farm," and another song I wrote called "Slow Justice," which was kind of my, uh, kind of one of my signature songs. Right. And uh, so I get there, Texas Stadium, five miles from Beale Plaza. And I ask myself the question, Brian, that I ask myself a lot when I'm in these situations. Mm-hmm. What would Woody Guthrie do? Wow. So I walked out. We played Slow Justice. And then in front of 20,000 unsuspecting Texans, <laughs> I broke out Jack Ruby. Dang. And... Uh, How'd it go over? Well, I'm still, I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Well, you made it. I mean, like, they're like, did did you did you sense a warmth? Did you sense a hostility? What I, I mean, I, I, it was a kind of touch and go. Okay. For a while. Okay. I guess. Well, we'll be let's be honest. Jack Ruby, a fairly polarizing figure that we still don't know enough about. Lo, these many yeah. years later, right? Yeah. And uh, but what was my buddy who I went down there with, Tom Latimer? Took a picture of two cops watching me on the jumbotron. Yeah, I bet they did. If we can just get this Yankee <laughs> in a dark alley, it's not going to be good for him. We'll show him Jack Ruby. Yeah, All right, but, we'll show him Jack Ruby. But it was an it was an incredible show. It was uh, Willie John Mellencamp, Neil Young, Paul Simon, Joe Wheely, the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, Go Joe on. Walsh, Leonard Skinner. Wow. Yeah, now what was crazy about it, so Neil Young got up and does uh, Southern Man, 
Oh dear! Oh dear! Another and Leonard Skinner were there because they've written a response song to that, which is what they played an hour later. Oh dear! That's so great. It was. I mean, you you could just feel the tension in the air. That sounds awful. We were all there to help home farmers, weren't we? I mean, oh my God! The last thing we need is socioeconomics being drawn into it. Before we continue and wrap things up with you, we are going to check in real quick with my friend Sean Bernard. He, in addition to doing what he does here on this show, is a realtor for Edina Realty, the 50th in France location. And spring is starting to feel like spring. Like, it's still snowy, it's still cold in the morning, but everyone can smell it, man. Things are about to change. Yeah, I just talked to another realtor, and they had, uh, they've had they had 45 showings in two days what? on their oh. property. How is that possible? Oh, it's a lot. That's a lot of people coming through Oof. your place. So if you've been thinking about buying or selling, you might want to get on it. Uh, if you're planning something for later this summer, give me a call, and we'll walk through your house and see what you need to do to get it ready for market. Yeah, because you're not ready. You're probably not ready. Well, I mean, I don't mean that in a, in yeah. a shitty or sarcastic way. I mean that in a selling a home in this day and age, it's all going so quickly and it's all moving so fast. And if it's dingy and not up to code or not up to snuff, it's not going to happen. But if you put a little effort in, your home is going to get you everything you want out of it. Yes. And I'm still doing what I've, I did at the start of the pandemic with every buy and sell. I donate a portion to a local musician or full band. Um, if you don't have a musician or full band that you love, I do. I have plenty that would love the donation. 612-859-2594. I think most of them probably would. Also want to thank Moxie Wealth Management. They signed on some months back. And Moxie Wealth Management, Joe and his entire team, what do they do? Like most people, I think a lot of people, in like in, I'm just going to go from my perspective, right? I have some resources. I have life insurance. I have certain, you know, assets, but I don't consider myself a wealthy man. I don't have a wide portfolio, but that doesn't mean it's not important for me to start thinking about long-term wealth, retirement, those kinds of things. That's where Moxie Wealth Management comes in. They have an entire team that not only will sort of set things in the right direction, but then they stay on top of it and keep you up to speed with what you should be doing, what you need to be doing, what you might be doing that you're not doing already. Yeah, they're smart and savvy, but they're down to earth and they're uh, Joe is a huge music fan, oh, so you yeah. can relate to them. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you're probably a music fan. Go to moxiewealthmanagement.com and set up an appointment with them to figure out exactly where you need to be. Joe is also one of those guys, he's got an almost impossibly charismatic smile. And so he talks, and I'm listening because I think he's smart, <laughs> and I listen, but all of a sudden I sort of hear, <laughs> and I just look at his pretty face. Nice. You're welcome, Joe. Paul Metz is our guest right now. We got to get him on his way. But before we do, so we've got, um, you know, the book out right now, right? And the book is Alphabet Jazz. What's ground zero for getting everything anybody wants to know about Paul Metz? Go to to paulmetz.com and... I can get the book there. I can find out about gigs there. I can... What about... um, What about... Lewdly dressed pictures. Do you have any kind of an OnlyFans thing? I had to thing? take those off. You did. Dang okay. It. You pulled oh, them man. down. Missed it by that much, Sean. <laughs> so close. That much. Now, in you know some- the, the the best way, truthfully, the, the quickest way to get it is to go. Uh, if you don't live in Minneapolis, is to go uh, to Amazon. But I also have books at uh, the Electric Fetus. Go on uh, with a lot of my records. And if you want to have a cold one and get a book. 
Grumpy's Bar, 22nd, 4th Northeast. I'm familiar with the place. Yeah. The, and the, 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 the philosophy at Grumpy's has always been very solid. I miss the downtown location. Back when I was drinking, I'd go down there for a couple of shots and a giant plot, pl- uh, plate of tots. Oh, my God. It was one of my favorite dark corners to hide out in <laughs> all the time on a weekday. So Alphabet Jazz is the book. It comes along with the CD, as you mentioned. And tomorrow you are celebrating in the music and storyteller sessions. Tell me about where and when and how and it's why. It's going to be at the Women's Club, which is in Loring Park. I'm very excited to get back. That was my neighborhood. When I moved to Minneapolis right. in 78, I lived on Ridgewood Avenue for until 1990. Uh, which was right behind Rudolph's Barbecue. And mm-hmm. then I moved to the mansion. I mean, so that's that little hill that goes up oh, behind yeah. Rudolph's, yep. right? Like, oh, so fancy pants. You it, were living the high life. It used to be called uh, Psychedelic, Psychedelic Alley in the 60s. You don't say. I do say. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I will be, uh, and then I, then I lived at 18, 18 LaSalle until 1995. So that's my old neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So it's the Woman's Club right in Loring Park, which I've never performed at, uh, but I've seen several shows there. So I'm very excited about doing that. Andrea Swenson, the great uh, mm-hmm. oh, current DJ and author and lovely uh, lady also I live in awe of her. But she's also one of the most dedicated students of Minnesota music. She is. Not just in terms of recent local history, 80s local history, which a lot of people can quote. She goes back a long, long way. She is a genuine student and scholar and author and speaker. She's one of my favorite people in all the Twin Cities. Yeah. I love her. She's going to moderate, and then uh, so we'll do that for the first set. Second set is going to I'll be joined by my longtime harmonica player, Sonny Earl, and my longtime vocalist, Mary Harris. And uh, we're going to play a lot of Mets and music, but, you know, we're going to shake it up a little bit, too, and you know, probably play some blues and uh, and a little country, a little bit of this, and a little Bob Dylan, whatever we feel like. We're going to have fun. We're going to celebrate and you can't celebrate unless you do what you want to do. Right. So that's what we're going to do. Sounds like it's going to be a Paul Metza show. It's going to be a Paul Metza show. I like that. So I, I, I so I don't bring a set list. We just see whoa, what hap- whoa, happens whoa, once we whoa. get there. Let's not get crazy here, Paul. <laughs> all right? I mean, uh, there has to be some organization. This it, we, this isn't communist Russia, all right? I need some organization. <laughs> I played in Siberia, by the way. So I do, I do know um, a little bit about that regime. But, hey, I'll tell you what. Did you play at a gulag? No, but, I... Uh, yeah, here's the deal. No, don't even start right now because I know we have to get you <laughs> out of here. You just promised me you will come back in the not-too-distant future and we'll talk about what the rest of the year looks like. I know you got to get going. And I'll tell you why, though, why I want to come back. Number one... Tell me. You and I get along really well. When yeah, We're yeah. sitting across from one another. and uh, It seems to work so I, far. Really, I, I, I enjoy this. Well, we had, you know, I had you and Mishki on my TV show. I remember. And... Uh, Christ, did, I, did we get hammered that day? Wow! Yeah, we sure did. Uh, well, Love when you're sitting you. when you're sitting at Grumpy's in the middle of the day, cutting a TV show with Paul Metza, and the guys at Grumpy's are just like, "Well, there's no one else in here," and they just keep bringing oh. the brown liquor over, <laughs> and suddenly you're like, 45 minutes into, you're like, "Why do I feel funny?" Oh, I know why. And you I had a gig why. that night, didn't you? Have a I, gig at Dusty? Probably. Yeah. Oh, where I had a DJ. Yeah, I'm sure I was amazing. <laughs> Paul Metza is our but let guest. Me just, let me just jump in one because i'll tell you the reason why i want to come I'm back i'm trying to get you out of here i'm gonna get the hell out of here in just a minute but i've got a big uh some big news rick shevchek another great writer in town who wrote everybody's heard about the bird about 60s minnesota rock bop, 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 bop. we have a book coming out in september called blood in the tracks 
the Minnesota musicians behind Dylan's masterpiece. Really? Which is going to be the story of the sessions and the stories of all those uh, Minnesota musicians, what they did up to the sessions, the sessions at 74, and what they did afterwards until they finally got their credit in 2018. Uh, the University of Minnesota Press is publishing that, and I'll give you a little kind of fun thing. Go on. I've gotten invited to go down with that book to with Rick to discuss the book and also to perform my own music probably in October at the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Very cowboy. Yeah. That's amazing. So let me ask you this then. As we get closer to that date, any chance I could have you use your influence so that you and Rick could come and join me because I would love to spend an afternoon talking about that. Yeah. You will be one of our first uh, uh, things to schedule. I appreciate that, Paul. Yeah. And I hope you have a wonderful 2023, man. It's great to see your yeah, face. Yeah, good to see you again, man. And uh, nice meeting you, Sean. I really enjoyed Thanks for it. getting my name right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. I was going to go. I thought I thought he was his uncle, Tom. Oh, go. no, no. Who? God, I don't know who you're you've talking about. You've lost so much weight. Who's Thank that guy? You. Yeah, Thank no, you. <laughs> and apparently you're using Just for Men in just the right way. I it really looks am. very natural. I really am. Very natural. I want to thank the good people at Smart Start MN, the good people at Moxie Wealth Management, the good person who's right there, who is Sean Bernard, uh, and also everyone at AudioQuip, everyone who's been a Patreon supporter, anyone who's supported listened, shared, amplified this podcast. Thank you very, very much. A special shout out to John Marchand. I don't know if that's how you pronounce your name, but he's always been a diehard since day one, and I really, really appreciate anybody who gives a shit about this. It's just, it's still hard for me to imagine. I don't know if it's imposter syndrome or just like, I'm so tired of my own voice. I can't imagine people still like hearing all this, but it's wonderful because we have great guests come by. Alphabet Jazz is now available. PaulMetza.com. Tomorrow night, a show at the Women's Club Theater of Minneapolis. You can find out more again at PaulMetza.com. We're going to leave now, but we're going to play two back-to-back Paul Metza songs. We're starting out with St. Louis County Fair. Tell me about this song, and we're saying goodbye. When I was a kid, I used to go uh, from Virginia to Hibbing, Minnesota, where the St. Louis County Fair was, and uh, it was just pure magic. You could go fall in love, see some music, uh, ride, you know, ride ride the uh, <clears throat> the different rides, and uh, you could get your get... ass kicked by a burnout. I went to the <laughs> I went to the Anoka County Fair. I kind of remember what it was like then. No, we used to we used to go over there because we ch- we chased women on the. On the uh, west end of the range, which was Chisholm and Hibbing. So it was about that and uh, kind of a magical time back in the day. And then the song after that is Robots on Death Row, which features one of uh, Twin Cities' greatest musicians who left us a handful of years ago, Mr. Willie Murphy, Mm -hmm. on uh, piano and vocals, and the great Tim O'Keefe, who I still play with on harmonica. Thank you, Paul. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Anything it could happen Anything it ain't all it appears
Joe Burgess is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Securian Financial Services uh, Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. North Star Resource Group is an independently owned and operated. Moxie is affiliated with North Star Resource Group and is independently owned and operated. 2701 University Avenue Southeast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55414. 